0: it's every day it's you i live for every day that has a lot to say with what we are going to talk about today in the book of acts for those of you that are visiting with us thank you so much for being here we're very honored that you would come uh, for those that are here all the time of course we love you so much and we thank you for the privilege of being able to go through the bible with you and study in the word it's just so much fun i had just a one of those special weeks um I, I don't mean it in this way, my wife is visiting my daughter in, um, in um, <laughs> that's not going to come out right, and Kathy's going to end up telling my wife, but I, I just ended up talking to her just a second ago, and our, our, our grandson is two years today, and, and um, so Kay went and visited with um, our daughter, and uh, our, our son-in-law is at a wedding, and so she's there helping take care of the two kids, and they're just having a ball, and thanks, thank you, I love the music. And just, uh, just had a. I had this week kind of alone, and um, you know she asked "Do you want to go to Colorado?" I says, "I'd rather stay home (laughs) with the church and all that, and I I love to see my kids and all that, but uh, I just love being with you so much." And so I had a chance to study the Bible, and and just you know, there's nothing to do around the house, so I, I just would read, you know, just read the scriptures and read out of Mark. We're going to look a little bit today and read different things. And when I read the Bible in that fashion, when I just kind of have nothing to do, but just kind of read, you know, and just kind of, by the way, I love what you do. I absolutely love the one, when we sing, (laughs) when we sing and and when you, when you, uh, when you do that, it's just something just really beautiful about it. And in your countenance is just beautiful. And can can I have um, your, your email, so that way I can send you the message, so you'll know, you, you can have it ahead of time. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah, give it to me and I'll send it to you. Anyways, so I just was kind of, <laughs> <laughs> we're very informal here at this church. <laughs> and so I just, just had a chance to read through, and when I read through the Bible in that fashion, I kind of put myself, I don't know if you do this, but I put myself in the place of the characters. Um... You know, we're, the Bible says we're to be conformed into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's hard for me. He, he never makes any mistakes, you know. and, and uh, So I, I like to see other people, and, and see especially those that, that mess up, you know, and, and yet there's still hope in their lives. Well, um, this week when I was studying through it, um, there's a place in here where it talks about faith. You know, the faith of Stephen, We're going to look at Stephen, by the way. The faith of Stephen is unbelievable. Here's another guy I can't relate to so much because he's so doggone perfect. You know, he's just um, he's just such a man of God, as we're going to see next week when they're stoning him to death. First, he he gives the whole gospel. He he takes them through the Old Testament and he leads them to the Messiah that they missed, you know, and it's and they just their anger burns against him so deeply that they start throwing stones at him. And you know, when they stoned a person, they put him in a gully, right? And they threw stones down at him. And yet it says he's gazing up into the heavens. I don't know. I think about that too, you know, when I read it. You know, if, if I were being stoned to death, which I don't know, that, that'd be a terrible way to die. But I, I'd be huddled, you know. I'd be trying to protect this ugly nose of mine or something, you know. And, and he's just gazing in the heavens, just taking these, uh, these rocks. And. Uh, and he yells out father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing you know it's when I, when you come upon something like that it just it overwhelms me i want to be conformed in the image of christ and yet i i find myself so uh, so weak and so inadequate and, and it seems like sometimes i'll take a, a two steps forward and then maybe a two or three back you know and it just seems wow lord i i really want i want to be a man of god and, so I was looking through this thing called faith, as we're going to see in a moment. And, um, and it's in, in Mark, um, and I think it's the ninth chapter, <clears throat> about a father that gave birth to a young boy that was demon-possessed. And the Lord heals that child. And the Lord says, uh, he says to the Lord, help me uh, in my unbelief. And I relate to that guy. That guy I, I could relate to a little bit. But what I want you and me to do is to try to become all that God wants us to become. I mean, really, that's the purpose of church. To come here together and just to have a wonderful time. Hopefully you do have a good time. But to come here and and not to study through the Word of God and not to become conformed into the image of our Lord is missing everything that God wants us to be in church. And so our process through all of this is, is to become... More and more the men, the women of God that God's called us to be. Well, we come to a place in Scripture, in Acts chapter 6, that is a transition, if you would. Let's just call it that. Um, The transition is Stephen. Acts begins, as you and I now well know, we've been studying through it. It it introduces the church. It, It is the the beginning of the church and how, how God himself gave orders to the apostles how to conduct church. So we know, we we would be foolish not to say we, we don't know how to do church. We know what the Bible says church is about. It's, it's to be a group of people who are continually devoted to the things of God. But especially the four things that the apostles said that the church is to be built upon. Their teaching, fellowship, communion, and prayer. Those things is what the church is built upon. We understand and we know that. And so the church began in in the book of Acts through a a gentleman by the name of Peter, an apostle. And he gave the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people accepted Christ as their Savior, and there the church began. And then he gave another message some days later, and 5,000 men alone, uh, counting women and children, what, 10, maybe 12,000? Don't know. But a lot more came to believe and formed the church. And so Peter is a central figure up to now. In Acts chapter 6, starting with last week, when we saw that there was a problem in the church, the Hellenistic Jews said our widows are being uh, uh, neglected. And they're not getting uh, being served the meals that the, the natural Jewish uh, widows are being served. And something's wrong. And, and so the apostles said, well, here's, let's fix this. Choose for yourself. Remember, seven men. Seven men of good reputation. Full of the Spirit full of wisdom, um, full of um, grace. Choose these people and and allow them to serve. The Apostle said, we don't have the time anymore. The church has gotten too big. We've got to devote ourselves to the study of the word and prayer. So they choose these men. One of the seven is Stephen. Stephen becomes a, a very central figure now in chapter 6 and 7. He is a bridge, if you would, from Peter to Saul, who becomes Paul. We're going to have a lot of fun studying the life of Paul, how he has come to Christ. And all of that begins at the end of chapter 7, moving on to chapter 8 and then 9, and how he is converted. That's that's a fun study. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy that a, a great deal. But in between Peter and Saul or Paul comes Stephen. But Stephen, but is probably a bad uh, connection of the two thoughts. Stephen is such a man of God. He is he is such a a saint, and he and 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 he just is. Everything that I would hope you and I want to become, but it's hard, at least for me, a, a, a person who sees everything as half empty, if even half, more empty. And then, and then, guys, if you can relate to this at all, or if, ladies, you can relate to this at all, to be married to someone who is full. I mean, not even half full. Sees everything as full. It becomes burdensome. <laughs> you know? Can, do you always have to be that happy? You know, and all that. <laughs> so it, it is it is inspiring to read of Stephen, but it's uh, intimidating, very intimidating. One of the things I really long to do, and, I, and I'll get to the message in a second, is I long to look at the faces and the character and the size of the people of the, of the Bible. I, don't you want to see Esther? I do. <laughs> I want to see how pretty she is. I want to look at all of those the people of the Bible I, I want to see what David, King David looks like um, Paul can't wait to see what Paul looks like I want to take a good hard look at Stephen by the way um, that's one of the things I want to do when I get to heaven, I hope to God I don't say anything for, for just just look and observe these people that's been a character of mine ever since I can remember when I was Younger, and I played baseball. Um, one of the great baseball players that played was a third... I played third base. This is, this is really a bad rabbit trail, but here I am in it, so let's go for it. Um, I played third base, and one of the great third basemen of all time was a guy named Brooks Robinson. For those that follow baseball, you know. For those you don't, you're going to uh, hope he gets through this quick. You know. But I couldn't wait to see him couldn't wait to, to see him in person, Brooks Robinson. And we were playing a game against the Baltimore Orioles in, in spring training at, at Holman Stadium in Vero Beach, Florida. And uh, we were playing the Orioles, and and I was hoping against hope that Brooks Robinson was going to come and play that day in the center squad in this game that we were having between them, exhibition game. And as I was walking into Holman Stadium, I had my bats and my hand in my glove, and I, we were going to take batting practice, and I turned around the, the, the the entrance into the, the stadium, you know, and I made a left, and right before my eyes was Brooks Robinson. You might not believe this, but you know what he said. He said, "Hi, John." He knew my name. I couldn't believe it. "Hi, John from Brooks Robinson." You gotta be kidding! I like died and went to heaven. And we talked for a minute, and I got to shake his hand, and I felt those hands because he was like the best third baseman, and I wanted to see what what this man looked like. He was bigger than I expected. And Anyways, you know, but that's what I want to do when I get to heaven. I want to take a look at these people. I want to see these men and women of God and uh, what they were like. Well, as you look at Stephen, what you're going to see is one of the most godly men in all of scripture. Um, what you're also going to see is that the number of days and the time that you have for ministry... It's not that important. It's not measured by length. It's measured by what you do with the time that you have. And that's what Stephen does. He maximizes his time to the nth degree. Read with me Acts chapter six, please. And catch the very essence of Stephen in verse eight through 15. It says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from what was called the synagogue of freedmen, including both Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen. And yet they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon Stephen and they dragged him away and brought him before the council. And they put forward false witnesses who said, this man incessantly speaks against this holy place and against the law. We heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. Verse 15 finishes by saying, They fixed their gaze on Stephen, all who were sitting in the council. And they saw his face like the face of an angel. It goes on, 7 is connected with 6. And the high priest says in chapter 7 verse 1, Ask him a question, are these things so? And then Stephen gives the messages of messages. Actually, what he does is give us just a Bible study out of the Old Testament explaining how the Messiah came into the midst of delusion and how they missed him. We'll see that next week. Sufficient this week to take a look at Stephen and to see, is it possible... Can we become like this? Can we become people full of grace and wisdom and all the things that God has blessed Stephen with? I say to you, yes, it's very possible. But I also say to you what the Bible says to all of us. It's not something that happens just by osmosis. It is a time that must be spent with our Lord in his word. So let's pray and let's get into this. Dear Father, please open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, that we might behold the most wonderful of privileges, and that is your most precious word. We learned last week, you have said that the words that come from your mouth, your heart, they will accomplish. What you desire for them to accomplish, they will not come back void. And so, Lord, it, it is imperative for us that we understand and hear from Your words, Your heart. And so, I, I ask with. I ask, Father, so deeply, that You would move me aside. Let us not uh, notice even the speaker today. Rather, let us take a look at the words. That, life of Stephen somewhat and see what it means to us um, if we in truth can become like that people who love you with all of our hearts who are full of grace full of power full of the things Father that you so desire for us so bless this time Uh, thank you for everyone here thank you so much Father for this place this time in our lives, so we can worship you. Bless us. I pray, Father, in Jesus' precious name, Amen. You, we're not going to read a lot about Stephen outside of verses of chapter six and seven. His life, though, is proof enough that the impact that you and I make is has nothing to do with the length of time we spend on earth. It has everything to do with the the character of our lives. It can have a far-reaching effect. Here's what set Stephen apart. Let's look at verses 3, 5, and 8 of chapter 6. Look, verse 3. The apostle said, Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. Look at verse 5. That statement found approval with the whole congregation. So they chose Stephen, note, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And if you jump down to verse 8, it says, And Stephen, here again, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs amongst the people. We're not told what he did. We're just told that he has this great, great, great impact. The word that jumps out at at all of us, I'm sure, did me, was the word full. I looked it up in the Greek, and it is P-L-E-R-E-S. It means to be totally controlled by, filled to the brim. Stephen was totally controlled by his reputation, his wisdom, his grace, his power, his faith, his life Connected to the Holy Spirit. You and I can be filled with all of those things. Basic to our lives is being full of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not become drunk with wine. That's dissipation. Rather, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we learn later in 1 first, first John chapter 1, verse 9, that, that if we confess our sins, that's the way to be filled confessing our sins, asking the Lord to forgive us. If we do that, it says then God will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And at that moment in time, the moment that we are obedient to the Lord, we then become full, filled with the Spirit of God. So that's very possible in your life and in my life. In in Romans, please turn, Romans chapter 14, verse 8. Don't lose your place here in Acts. Paul makes a statement in Romans that I believe with all of my heart, having looked at Stephen as closely as I could this past week, that this would have been Stephen's credo of life. Now Paul said a lot of great things. Uh, For instance, in Philippians, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is, you know, gain. He also says, I forget those things that lay behind. He says, I press on. I push forward, looking forward to the things that that are of Christ. But in Romans chapter 14 and verse, um, let's see, 8, Paul says this, and I believe this was I believe that, that Stephen would have said amen and amen to this. I ask him some from time to time to consider memorizing verses. This would be a verse that I would consider that you should, if not memorize word for word, just thought. Paul writes, If we live, we live for the Lord. He says, If we die, we die for the Lord. So therefore he says, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. There's no greater statement in all of scripture than that to me. If we live, we live for him. When we die, we die for him. So whether we live or whether we die, we are his. That's a good start. I'm being full of all the things that God wants from you and me to be in our lives. Sadly, many of us today cannot describe ourselves as being full. We've we've become, well, like the gentleman I told you about earlier. Look at Mark chapter 9 with me now. Hold your place in Acts chapter 6. So many of us have become like this father of this boy who was demon-possessed. And he brought his son to Jesus Christ. In in, in Mark chapter 9, uh, the start of that chapter, uh, Jesus Christ goes onto the Mount of Transfiguration. And he there uh, takes with him... Uh, Peter and James and and John. You see that in the second verse. And he brought them to a high mountain. And he was transfigured before them, it says in verse 2. It says in verse 7, In the process of that, there comes a voice from the clouds that overshadowed them. And the voice said, This is my beloved son listen to him. As they were walking down from that experience, there's another place, wouldn't you have loved to have been there? Just to watch. Just to see. What was that like? Well, as they're coming down from the mountain, as you look in verse 14, they come upon just a multitude, a crowd of people. And the people are arguing with the disciples. And the argument is all about This man's son, watch. It says, they came back, verse 14, they came back to the disciples, they meaning Peter, James, John, and Jesus. And they saw a large crowd around them and some of the scribes arguing with them, arguing with the disciples. Immediately, it says in verse 15, when the entire crowd saw Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to to greet him. He asked them, what are you discussing with them? In other words, what's going on? What's going on here? Now, God knows, he knew everything. He knew what was going on, but he asks those questions for a purpose. One of them in the crowd, this is the father of the boy who was demon-possessed. One of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth, and he stiffens his body. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. Jesus answered them and said, Oh unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Now, Whenever I read something like that, I don't see myself as a hero here. I see myself as one of the guys that's just getting chastised. You know, how long have I how long, John? How long have I been here? How long have I kind of led you in this church? Why are you unbelieving? Watch what happens. They brought the boy to him, verse 20. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And Falling to the ground, this young lad began to roll about, foaming at the mouth. Jesus, doesn't even tend to him, looks at his dad and says, How long has this been happening to him? And his father said, From childbirth. It says, It has often thrown him both into the fire and to the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. Now, when I came to that, I told you I read this a lot. And and I read it in many different ways. The next verse, I read in almost every way that you could read it. This gentleman says to the Lord, if you can. Jesus has done miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And watch our Lord's response. To me, it's pretty harsh. Jesus said to him, if you can, that's the way I read it, if if I can, what are you kidding me? I mean, I take that as, I do that to him. Lord, you know, if you could, if he could, if I can. John, where's your if I can. He goes on to say, all, verse 23, all things are possible to the person who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I relate to that man. You see, while... I'm trusting God, maybe you're in the same boat. We can trust God for our eternal salvation. I've accepted Him as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to heaven. What I find difficult is trusting Him in those, those day-to-day concerns that come my way, those, those, those things that come our way, and, 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 and they keep on beating us up, beating us up, beating us up. And I find myself saying, Lord, if you could, if you would, if I can, John, if I would, it's your unbelief. And so I cry out, like this father, Lord, I do believe, but help my unbelief. There's a song that says, trust and obey, for there is no other way. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. Key, back to Acts chapter 6, and to becoming like Stephen, key to our faith is our being full, being totally controlled, being full of whatever it takes to make you and me all that Jesus Christ desires for us to be. And key to that, is to be able to trust and obey Him. Now how? I think that's the most logical question. Next is how? How to trust and obey? Well, I'll tell you how. By being full. By being completely controlled by our Lord. And folks, here's the rub. That only comes through your and my growth in him and his word there are no shortcuts there are no other ways sooner or later the church church universal is gonna have to finally come to believe and begin to seriously study the Word of God so that we can become like Stephen full in trusting and obeying our Lord and Savior If you can, of course he can. We need to believe. Now, I'm not trying to fool you. I'm not trying to to say, look, this is what we're all about, studying the Word of God. I just know by the study of this, there is no other way for you and me to become all that we were hoping to become in Christ than to trust and obey and to understand his words. That's why it's so imperative that a, that a church does study the word of God. Th- that this is The purpose of our meeting is to, is to get to, to comprehend some of these things of God so that it seeps within our very most inner spirit that we become full of who he is. And you cannot become full of him apart from studying the word of God. And there are no shortcuts. It doesn't happen uh, osmosis. It doesn't happen because you're 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 here. If you want to become a great great carpenter, you have to study under a good carpenter to learn the trade. If you want to become a wonderful musician, you've got to study. It's like a it's like that joke. You know, of the guy that's in New York and he wants to go to hear some music in Carnegie Hall, and he goes to this New Yorker and he says. How do I get to Carnegie Hall? You know what the guy says. Practice. (laughs) Practice. There's no way of getting to anything that you want to do that's purposeful in your life without practicing. If you go back to Acts chapter six and verse eight, you will know that Stephen is full of these attributes and through him therefore flows great wonders, great signs among the people Stephen is the first non-apostle to whom miracles are recognized. But as we've noted over and over and over and over again, his obedience, his trust, his faith does not stop persecution from coming his way. After all, they killed it, Jesus, didn't they? They killed Paul and Peter and persecuted the church. And Jesus predicted that's going to happen to all of us who follow after him. It's part of it. In fact, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, don't be surprised, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that happens among you. As though some strange thing were happening to you. We all go through this process. But Jesus promises us that when we go through him, he will be there. In Matthew chapter 10 verses 19 and 20, he takes care of Stephen by saying, When they hand you over, Stephen, not only Stephen, all of us, don't worry about how or what you're going to say. It will be given to you in that hour for what you're going to say. It is not you who will speak, Jesus says. It will be the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Now. Remember two weeks ago, I think it was, in, in chapter 5, verse 39, when Gamaliel said, look, we better let these guys alone. Remember? If you look back at chapter 5, verse 39, he says, we better leave these guys alone. If it's, if it's of their own making, it's going to fail sooner or later. But if it's of God, he said, well, we better leave them alone. Or else, he says, we might find ourselves fighting with God that's what that's what's taking place here now when they start to argue with stephen they were in fact arguing against god look look at verse 10 it says they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which stephen was speaking so what does someone do when they can't cope with the truth what does someone do when they cannot cope with with your contentment of where you are well of course. They lie about you. They they take away your integrity. They take away your character. They chip away at who you are as a person. Look at verses 11, 12, 13, and 14. They then secretly induced people to say, we have heard him, talking about Stephen, speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders, the scribes, And they came up to him, Stephen, and they dragged him away and brought him before the council. And they put forth false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against this holy place and against the law. Because they said, We've heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. You need to know that of the council, of the Sanhedrin, Moses was their hero. To blaspheme Moses was tantamount to blaspheming God. <clears throat> but when they hear Stephen speak, as you will and I will next week, when they hear what he has to say, they're going to realize that their accusations were completely false. Because Stephen, next week in chapter 7, reviews the history of Israel, mainly the coming of the Messiah through Israel. And he bases all of his truth upon the writings of none other than Moses. So those accusations against Stephen were similar to the ones that came against Jesus when they placed him on trial. Stephen too, just like our Lord was a victim of those who hated who he was, hated what he said, which led to them lying about him, putting forth, forth, I should say, false witnesses. More than likely, what Stephen was saying was Exactly what Jesus Christ said. He was quoting his Lord, I'm sure. When Jesus said, Look, you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up and he was talking about not the, the holy temple, but he was talking about this body. That's exactly what he said. And that's more than likely what, what Stephen said. And so they wanted to well, verse twelve is is quite impacting. It says that they dragged him away. That word in the Greek is sunapazo, I think, S-U-N-A-R, P-A-Z-O. It means to seize and to take away with violence.